0: Ooh, booyaka Booyaka, hella six one nine. Yay! Hey.
1: That's wrestling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that explains why I was so confused. I was like,
0: Yes. Who's that jumping out the sky? Here we go. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, friends. Uh I'm sitting down and joining this podcast. I don't know which one what? this is. I think I walked into the wrong <laughs> booth. I don't know.
0: Yeah, this is WWE. No, no, we can't say that. This is not WWE. We do not <laughs> want to be served. Nothing to do with WWE. Uh <laughs> just, (laughs) Please. Uh, Yeah, wrestling. Did you watch it at all? I'm pretty sure I remember you saying you didn't like it. I did. So uh, I'm not crazy
1: about Mm -hmm. it, but for probably the span of like two to three years, I was into it in early elementary school. I had a friend named Brandon Billig. Mm, Brandon. I want to say. What up, Brandon? Shout out if you're listening. Don't know how you found me, but (laughs) welcome. Uh, And he was super into Mm. wrestling. And so I started watching it. And while I was watching it, it was the time. It was the time that The Rock was still pretty hot. The Rock mm-hmm. was still like the big one. But there was also uh, Rey Mysterio was a big one. I do remember Rey Mysterio. Did not remember 619,
0: but oh, I believe it. Yeah, no. Rey Mysterio. Yeah, 619 is just his, uh, his his famous move. Is that where he that goes he through his... the two ropes and yeah, kicks uh-huh, the and person? Yeah, that's the 619 area code of uh, L.A. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. It's one of the California, Somewhere in, on the West somewhere Coast. Somewhere on the West Coast, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I
1: remember him. Oh, what was like, there was like a- Stone Cold. Was there a Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Oh, Cold, Stone Cold. I did not like him then. It's so funny. Mm. I, I I didn't like Stone Cold when I liked mm. wrestling, and now like twenty-ish years later, I don't like <laughs> wrestling and I like Stone <laughs> yeah. Cold. Yeah, this man's so fucking tight. This man is like, <laughs> get your fucking racist bullshit off my timeline. And that was like the <laughs> last dude seriously. that I saw that coming he's, he's from. Pretty, I was like, pretty, whoa. Uh, um, yeah,
0: uh, it was either the the Rock or Stone Cold. I remember I remember my cousins having this beef. Um, some of them were like Team Rock. I was. Too team rock and i remember my cousin dimitri mm. and that was just his jam if we games. So i would get the rock man that people's elbow which is mm. the stupidest move but so badass it's like why would this niggas wait for your ass it's so dumb it's so dumb right i mean <laughs> just- that's the you don't watch wrestling for the strategy
1: let's just say that watching yeah. wrestling for the strategy is like going to a pizza place and saying i don't know it's dumb so i don't have have an answer. That's yes, <laughs> Hey, that was so eloquent. Thank you, Ian. Thank beautiful. you. I am feeling on my uh, game today. I am so ready. Give so me this good. cognitive test that Trump keeps talking about. I can do it. <laughs>
0: I can Yo, do this it. thing was on TV like like maybe a couple hours ago. He was talking about how that he was like explaining, but he was just listing off different animals and he just like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> just like, "Yeah, they told Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I saw I saw
1: the clip. The interviewer's <laughs> like, "I I took the test too. They ask you to point out the <laughs> elephant." And he's like, <laughs> "It's" And I gotta tell you, Ben. On on any other day, I don't know if I could do it. Oh, I don't know if I could do it. But today, today of all days, I'm sharp. I'm focused. I'm ready. I think I know an elephant when I see one. We
0: gonna find Yo, out. Yo, look, it's so funny because this all wraps back into wrestling. He was actually on uh, one of the pay per views. Oh,
1: fuck. <laughs> He was,
0: he wasn't got, he? He got stunned. Yeah. He God. Got, okay. So wrestling has done two things that I like now. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it. Would you call a stun cult? when you get when you receive that move? Are you stunned or are you stunned? These are Ugh. the things that keep me up at night. <laughs> yep.
1: This is. Why are we trying to solve the <laughs> mysteries of the universe? <laughs> when really we should be arguing the semantics of <laughs> like what adjective you use to describe someone who has been hurt by Stone Cold Steve Austin's premiere move, the stunner. This is like scientists, get it together. <laughs> Okay, and welcome back welcome. again, friends. If you are a first-time listener, mm-hmm. then welcome to you as well. We are Too Many Flicks. My name is Ian. My name is Ben. And we're here to just give you this week's movie news. Mm-hmm. We break it down into a few segments. We got a new segment called Trailer versus Trailer, wherein we take a look at two different properties that are being publicized, and we decide which trailer is the stronger trailer. Then we go on to Flicks News, wherein we take all the fun little sound bites from the current week and try to give them to you in fun and interesting ways maybe with a little bit of our Mm -hmm. editorialization on top and then we gonna scrooge right on over to Hot Takes, wherein we give you some sort of opinion that might be inflammatory. And finally, you know, we got to give you a little something to empower yourself. And what better way to do that than through knowledge? You got to. And so that's why we round out every episode with a little bit of trivia. Yeah? Mm. You know? Strengthen that brain muscle. Yeah. Mm. And so I think without further ado, we got a lot to cover. What do you say, Ben? Should we just jump right on in? Let's hit turbo. Trailer. Versus Trailer.
0: All right, first opponent up, standing in the shallow end of the pool, we've got Rogue, which comes out August the 28th. It's directed by M.J. Bassett, uh, and it's starring Megan Fox, Philip Winchester, Callie Taylor, Jessica Sutton. Rogue is the story of a small mercenary unit of soldiers who have been engaged by the governor of an African country to rescue his daughter who has been kidnapped by an Al-Shabaab-type organization oof okay uh, <laughs> not crazy about that description not crazy about that all right so ian what are your thoughts on rogue oh man this is a this is a, this is a tough one you know
1: rogue kind of brings a mixed bag to the table for me there there are uh, first of all the premise is incredibly hokey because what they don't say about this the hook of this story it's not just an extraction movie it's not just argo 2.0 or something the hook of this is that the group of soldiers who are extracting the daughter are being terrorized by a lioness that for one reason or another is angry at them and so that seems like a key thing that for some reason imdb left off because that's like the main focus of the trailer (laughs) i guess they think it's supposed to be a surprise i I don't know i guess but it's like yeah this this trailer is a mixed bag for me because there are some elements to it that seem pretty fucking cool first of all i'm glad that megan fox is getting more consistent work she deserves all of it Uh, America as a nation and specifically Michael Bay but America as a nation put her through a whole hell of a lot in the 2000 aughts so I'm really glad that she's back on the scene and doing stuff this film like this premise I feel I feel two different types of way about because on the one hand it's kind of fun and it almost reminds me of like a Sam Raimi hokey horror comedy Mm -hmm. type deal like this could be and there's there is one particular scene wherein they're kind of like buildings clear and they're all looking down the hallway at this one dude and (laughs) you just get this really quick cut of like a lion shaped blur like, but, like <laughs> knocking him out of the hall and it's slightly comical and I think that's intentional but whoever edited this promotional material uh, took it in, I think a little too seriously mm-hmm. like it hints at the hokiness and the comicalness of it all and I really want it to embrace those Sam Raimi roots but it seems like it it, it uh, at least in the trailer kind of shies away from that and I think that is a huge mistake on their part Uh, and just to address the two types of way that I feel about this premise on the one hand it's hokey and fun on the other hand I'm not super crazy about like villainizing animals especially animals that are so often targeted by big game hunters I feel like it creates a culture wherein Mm -hmm. it's easier for them to justify their activities like look the lion Mm -hmm. like is a vicious beast too like I'm not crazy about that but again if you lean into the hokeyness of it all and I I actually suspect that we will be made to empathize with the lioness it's supposed to be like a, a, a side by side with it in Megan Fox but I'm not crazy about that aspect of it either but that's sort of a a general amalgamation of like my thoughts bouncing from A to B to C to D on how I feel about this trailer. Yes, Uh, Ben, what were your thoughts? What did you see? What did you feel Uh, about uh,
0: Rogue? Well, yeah, Rogue is interesting. Uh, I hated it. Uh, I will (laughs) uh, I will tell you two things that I do enjoy. I will like to Mm. hearken back to when you mentioned Megan Fox and um, getting back on the scene I think she's extremely talented. She's more than her looks, and I'm glad she's back as well. Quick, sorry. You're good. Uh, I'm chilling with you. Two, um, I am really, really excited to see more of their work. Uh, MJ Bessett, uh, sh- she is a trans woman, and I think that's awesome. I'm super glad that she has a vehicle. She's directing something that's pretty prominent with an A-list mm-hmm. actor. This is awesome. These are great things. Now, for the bad, everything else. Uh, <laughs> uh Yeah, I, <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I... First of all, I think Megan Fox is... I want to be careful when I say this. I do not like her in this. It um, That's mm. just my general thought about it. Uh, and, and listener, if you go back and watch sure. it, maybe you disagree with it. That's fine. But I, I do feel as if she is a little bit uncomfortable in this role. Uh, also, I don't understand why she's in a full face of makeup when she's a mercenary since uh, <laughs> they dirty her up. but like, There's they, a little s- bit of tonal dissonance yeah, it's there. It's like, okay, are we, is she going to be this gritty action hero? You know what I mean? So there's a, a hint of sexism mm. there, mm. and I'm sure it's probably due to on part in part to the producers overreaching i'm positive they do that a lot she needs to wear makeup she needs to be it's beautiful. megan fox
1: you gotta make megan fox look yeah, pretty there's
0: one yeah. quick like shot of her like it was like almost slowed down she was like doing this like hero post on the ground and like she whipped her head back to it's to make it seem like it was sensual and still like focus on her body. It was very weird. I'm like that's not what this is <laughs> at, at all. This is mm. not the movie that you're trying to tell us you're making. It's it's silly. It's hokey. I wish they would have leaned into it. I agree with you on that point, Ian. Um they're taking themselves way too fucking seriously and also we d- you don't need to, to even in the slightest sexualize her. She's a gritty like fucking, you know, badass mercenary and if you want mm. to make maybe a franchise out of this, that's probably the way you want to go. I will make a comparison between this and Atomic Blonde. In, At- in Atomic Blonde, Charlize Theron is just fucking kicking ass, even in The Old Guard, which hopefully one of these days we will go back and review in stream theory. But she just, um, Charlize Theron had just found, has just found her niche and has been fucking doing the character work, develop it for it, and she's fucking in an action sequence. She's fucking gritty, she's dirty, she's fucking cracking heads, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I wish that was, they they gave the same treatment to Megan Fox in this, um, and i think they did her a disservice which probably made her feel uncomfortable and that's why we have and to touch
1: on her yep. looking kind of uncomfortable in the action sequences i'm wondering too how much of that might have been just them not having a lot of time that's a good I, point I, prep you're absolutely I'm not, right absolutely prep right. for these type of things yep. is fucking huge and yep. I, i'm not a huge fan of films that lionsgate does yeah they've got they've got a few things that i that i enjoy but for the most part uh they do i tried to peg this when i saw, like like pin down just what kind of films lion G- Lionsgate does when i saw their name pop up in this and i was like oh great i have to talk about a Lionsgate film again. <laughs> it, it's like it's like pulpy with a uh, uh, like desaturated pulp stories almost like there's a little bit of art mm-hmm. but not a lot of art it's it's like quick money with like pulpy art stories and i'm curious what the production's schedule might look like side by side if we were like okay so what was the prep for atomic blonde like and what was the prep for absolutely. absolutely like especially in terms of like combat training mm-hmm. and preparedness because yeah if your actor hasn't had ample time to rehearse their stunts and it's like hey okay like we gotta go uh, and finish this shot by the end of the day so whether you're ready or not you need to jump out of an exploding building like yeah that's gonna be scary fam like that's
0: gonna be people tough. have gotten hurt and died that way that's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna be super tough it it takes a while to get especially when you're operating with guns to get though because guns an extension of your body from what i understand of any combat mm-hmm. training um and it takes a while to get that muscle memory build up to where it's almost like it's just natural it's just it's just a go it's muscle memory boom i have this gun in my hand i'm comfortable in this this is where i live now it takes longer than a week which it, probably it was like a, cu- a couple of weeks it takes about a month solid of just intense wake up this is it we're doing this training today we're doing this training for several mm-hmm. from this point during the day to that point during, during the day to at least build up that muscle memory and i'm I don't quite think it's there. There are moments where she is, of course, she's holding the gun properly and doing everything that she needs to do. But there are other moments in this trailer where I'm like, "Uh oh!" Uh, And it's not her fault. I do think it's probably prep time, and that's a great point that you brought up. Um, Prep—you need extreme prep for dialects and accents, and you need extreme prep for uh, well, most things as an actor. But I'm I'm just uh, specifying these things and and combat training. Um, You need a lot of prep time for those, and if you don't get a lot of prep, sometimes you come short unless. like just Meryl Streep. Uh, And even her, I'm sure she does. (laughs) They probably give her a script years in advance so she has enough time to prep. So yeah, Mm -hmm. so also, you know, I'm not a huge fan of um, killing brown people uh, and using their uh, countries as set pieces. Um, Not great. That's definitely not fucking great. It keeps happening. And I (laughs) I really am tired of these mercenary-esque films like this. They have a place, but... (sighs) they're so overused it's, and oversaturated it's and propaganda. So mediocre. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. propaganda. Yeah. It's, it's like, cheese. Yeah. And like, if they were actually trying to say something about what they're yeah. doing there and their effect of being there. Yeah. Cool. But you could tell in yeah. the description. For the most part, it is just like, <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I did. We did not vet this fucking synopsis before we yeah. said it, you know, and it's been kidnapped by
0: an Al Shabab type organization. Like fucking it's like, hell. It's Uh. Yeah, I'm just, I'm quite frankly tired of it. So the whole trailer for me was just garbage. Uh, The trailer alone is just something that didn't do it for me, but the movie could be mediocre to really surprisingly good at best. Who knows? Um, And that lion looks completely, totally like shit. It's terrible CGI. Um, It doesn't look good. It's a low low budget thing. You know, like
1: this was definitely a low Mm -hmm. budget place filler that in the midst of the pandemic was probably supposed
0: to release. uh, Honestly, like right about now, sort of in the waning summer months. Months, you oh, yeah. know hopefully it could scrape up some of the uh, leftover some other movies this is the type of movie that this does yeah
1: right it would it would have released on a slow week it would have been the big push
0: i mean they're still trying to do that is Meg- yep. megan fox being a badass come check it out done a bunch of press really you know press tours and everything for it uh to garner get that money back and they don't have that benefit and the luxury now so it is what it is those are my thoughts um ian do you have any more thoughts on rogue uh
1: i don't i think you said it well you know it looks uninspired it uses a bunch of (laughs) racist and tired tropes uh in terms of like its setting and what's going on and it it could still be good you know uh but the trailer certainly doesn't do this story any favor so I hope that, you know, That's I wish him the best because art is hard. What do
0: we got up in, our, in the next corner? What is Rogue up against? And in the other end of the pool, the equally shallow
1: end. That's right. It's an <laughs> even plane in this pool, folks. On the other end of the pool, we've got Bill and Ted face the music. Bill and Ted Face the Music is going to come out September 1st. It is directed by Dean Parisot and it is starring Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Samara Weaving, and Bridget Lundy Payne, just to name a few. Once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads, still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. Yep. Ben, you cut away to me for a Rogue. I'm curious, uh, what were your
0: initial impressions and reactions to this contender Bill and Ted face the music this trailer here well I will say this Samara Weaving looks like Margot Robbie Uh, there are four different actors who look like Mm -hmm. Margot Robbie Um, again I've said it once I'll say it again once Hollywood finds a type sometimes they get the same type like just because they know like oh well you know this invokes a similar response although Samara Samara Weaving is very good not to knock anyone's talent but it's just very interesting that they would choose not to you know make someone else big who doesn't look like uh, Margot Robbie but anyway, that's not to take away from a talent. I love her. This is great. I like her in this. Also, the trailer, itself. So, sorry. <laughs> I had digress. The trailer, it looks fun. I mean, like, yeah, dude, it looks like a very good time. A surprisingly uh, heartfelt, heartfelt, enjoyable, good time. I think everyone thought this would be fun to say the least, but it looks like there might be a little bit more heart than there have been in the previous installment. Uh, you could just tell there are some moments where, you know, they're with their kids, their daughters, and they have really good chemistry with their daughters, and the, the two women have very, chemistry with each other uh there are some moments that generally uh genuinely made me smile like i had a smile watching this entire thing from beginning to end and uh one of the the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. things i'm apprehensive about is this and that's just me i'm pretty liberal is this moderate feel of we should all just be together and rock out and i'm like it takes a fine tooth cone for us to get there so it's hard my... to, it's hard to be yeah. together and rock out when half right. of the people rocking out think the other half of the people should Shouldn't have rights or exist. It's, <laughs> right? hard to, it, it's, it's hard to do that. But I do like this sh- trailer. Uh, it was fun. It was a good time. Of course, it's shot well. It's a fucking big budget movie. Like no problems there. Uh, and what did you think of uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music? <laughs> <It's> my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it was good.
1: That was good. Yeah, I mean, communicated effectively the, what a guitar <laughs> might sound like. Might if you like, sound. squeezed it through <laughs> <laughs> an eight bit compressor. Right. <laughs> like some sort of cat filter um yeah bill and ted face the music i was very surprised by this we talked about the teaser not too long ago because i mean when you're doing some sort of segment about this you can't not talk about the new bill and ted anything so this film immediately like helped quell a lot of concerns that i might have had going into this uh specifically just like will will they have a premise fresh enough to justify this franchise coming back after literal decades just sort of like being on on a shelf you know like no one was I'm sure I'm sure a small portion of the community was asking for a conclusion to like a trilogy but I I didn't hear anyone in particular like I'll pull my hair out if I don't get a third Bill and Ted right. <laughs> so I'm glad that they were able to justify a third one because it looks like they were able to do that and I gotta say this trailer it's just cut together really good there were a few examples in Rogue where the editing was a little clunky it felt like they had good images in their brain but they weren't able to cut them together when needed. It to be clear, concise, and fast. And there's none of that problem in Bill and Ted. It is uh, simply as a piece of promotional material, uh, very well paced. Uh, they give you a few different, like, little mystery boxes and surprises, i.e., the reveal that his daughters get their own subplot and adventure to go find the greatest musicians in the world to help mm. them write the best song. Mm-hmm. Love it. Excellent reveal. Excellent reveal. And as you said, it, it was really hard not to get super hyped and feel super good watching this trailer at the end of it like i did have like a, a, that sort of goose goosebumps like shoot up your arm like man what a good fuzzy mm-hmm. feeling that being said it was tempered by the point that you made like we are at a divisive time right now purely because uh, people are divided on whether or not some people should be afraid to live and that's just like really hard to reconcile everything else about this fi- about this trailer i'll say this about this trailer looks good the movie gives me a little bit of uh, uh the run time has been announced mm. And it is currently announced at one hour and Uh-oh. 18 minutes. That's not a lot of time for two, two journeys mm-hmm. through time. two uh Potentially four, but probably like two character arcs, which I have to imagine would be Bill and Ted uh, sort of realizing their responsibilities as fathers. Because it seems to be there's a little bit of that uh, that's hinted at at the beginning of the trailer. So they- they're trying to do a lot in 78 minutes is all I'm saying to have a great beginning, middle and end with four characters characters that you're supposed to care about seven an hour and 18 minutes is not a lot of time to make that a compelling and uh, well thought out story it's not impossible just gives me a little uh,
0: little cause for concern i share those concerns maybe the hour and 18 is just really tight though it could be that's the thing if it's non-stop jokes and like as
1: i said it's not impossible but who oh, doggy are they really uh like putting themselves into a little little corner i feel like yeah let's yeah. also here's the thing the, the, there's there's, there's this is not the first time we have heard the song that will save the world trope and that's also a really tough thing to do because if you write a song and it's not a fucking banger yeah. like <laughs> Bill and Ted save the world or face the music or whatever and they play the final song if it doesn't fucking slap your whole movie is gonna fail it doesn't matter how good the fucking beginning is like now
0: now they have to have like the fucking best song I, I will say this the first one was mm. an hour and 30 minutes
1: but that's what I, even with those extra 12 minutes it like I'm help, not yeah. asking
0: for a, for for a,
1: a three-hour Bill and <laughs> three Ted, Ted movie <laughs> like give me return of the Bill and Ted <laughs> you know um but like an hour 30 gets you two character arcs it's true in Bill and Ted one and we're down to an hour 18 which it, I'm not just concerned because it seems like a short amount of time to tell a story I'm also concerned because it feels very much like I can hear some producer shouting in the background like it's for kids it's got to be shorter they can't fucking focus on anything it's for kids yeah. get it. cut it down true. Like, I just hear that in the background somewhere, especially with a franchise as big as Bill and Ted. Yeah. I'm willing to bet the studio is maybe being a little obnoxious.
0: I can see that. I can see that. I can also, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I could, that's one of the the things that is a cause for concern. But the trailer does look really good. So hopefully we are wrong in that, in that concern in that assessment. Um, this is also a, potentially a vehicle, I think, for a franchise with their daughters. I think this might be a backdoor, like I would say, pilot. No, movie. this
1: is definitely, uh, and I put this in my sort of uh, general notes as well that it
0: does seem like they're trying to be like and we're handing it off yeah. now to this the this is gonna be the next Bill and Ted it's gonna be uh, their daughters and that, that's kinda cool I I, I dig that that's yeah. kinda
1: cool it it also introduces a lot of dynamics if they if they're not if they wanna be bold and brave and actually unpack this it it introduces the opportunity for them to explore a lot of dynamics for just what just how fucking much it sucked to be a woman anytime before like the last like 150 200 yeah. years like I mean it's still sucks obviously i'm not saying everything's right. fixed but how how much more exponentially it right. fucking sucks so i'm i'm interested if we do get some sort of sequel hopefully there's they go that route and give us some teachable lessons about like hey like women have lives and are <laughs> <Yeah. actual> human <laughs> beings and and yeah, shit absolutely. like that you know i 100 <laughs> agree with that
0: uh yeah but this trailer is pretty strong it made me laugh uh, yeah it made you laugh as well i think we are in agreement on that it's like it's hard to make me laugh and it, it genuinely did get a good a good few <laughs> absolutely good all right well with that being said sit the final round is over and uh let's see let's choose a winner here um or will there be a split decision ian on you which trailer is the better trailer
1: well you know it's uh i Mm think i think it's pretty decisive here you know rogue came out the gate swinging It had a few uh a, a few good traits and qualities to its performance but it's structurally just not strong enough and not not finessed enough it was a little clunky bill and ted faced the music it was fluid it was quick it was surprising it brought a lot of fun stuff to the table i gotta give it i gotta give it to our to our second contender
0: bill and ted face the music takes this one for me ben how about you how do you feel well you know in the early rounds it was pretty clear what trailer was going to win this week uh bill and ted just has a far longer reach uh quicker snappier just went in got the job done and eviscerated uh our competitor rogue if you couldn't tell by my review of the trailer for Rogue, uh, you should probably already know. Uh, <laughs> that indeed Rogue was not good for me. And I think the victory is decisive in that Bill and Ted Face the Music is the clear winner of this week's trailer versus trailer. We got a technical knockout here. All right, dear listener. So with that being said, tell us what you think. Do you or do you not agree with our assessment of Bill and Ted Face the Music and Rogue? Do you think that Bill and Ted was a clear winner? Or maybe Rogue was? Let us know on any of our social media platforms at too many flicks that's number two and an x at the end and we will definitely be all ears for a debate and discussion on the topic in the studio with no central ac flicks news all right, first up on the docket, The New Mutant sets August theatrical release date. So I think it's August the 28th are looking at. Um, prompting many to ask like, why? What are you doing? Uh, and that is from Ryan Scott at Me- MovieWeb. Ryan Scott at MovieWeb. All right, so if anyone has been paying attention and is not living under a rock, we know that COVID is getting worse, especially in Southern states and also in the Sun Belt, uh, Arizona, California, all these other places, good like 35%. Of Americans do not believe in wearing masks, so twenty eighth release date doesn't quite make sense. At least to us, um, I, I don't understand this, especially when you have Disney Plus at your disposal. Maybe they're just being optimistic. We'll uh, go to Disney Plus. I think it's the best option. You have to just like just do it. Get it out of the way, like because it's not connected to anything. Not gonna be part of the MCU. Like put it on fucking mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Like why? So
1: this actually this this terrifies me a lot. And you want to know why, Ben? So we have been waiting for this movie for so long. Yep. We we have been mm-hmm. told about the arrival of this movie for so long. And just, just when it was about to drop, just, just when it was about mm-hmm. to like finally drop this year, we enter a fucking pandemic, like right before. And so now you telling me that we're going to release it in August, <laughs> Ben, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that by the time, the like, on the day that this movie premieres, like it is actually just mm-hmm. a backdoor pilot for the fucking Fucking horseman of the apocalypse because on the day that this movie first screens in a theater and people pay money yep. to go see it, I am now thoroughly convinced that the earth's mantle will crack open and swallow us all into its lava belly depths when this and the skies will rain fire, and you know, maybe some maybe religion was right, maybe it wasn't. We Jeez, will find out that terrifying on the day that they finally release fucking new mutants holy fuck like it's <laughs> uh. It's terrifying, Uh and there has not been a film with a more cursed release slate. That's probably not true, but I'm making the statement anyway. There has not been a film with a more cursed (laughs) release slate, wherein your star, one of your stars, actually goes onto a talk show and says, "I don't know what the fuck is happening about it." Like I, that is just like unprecedented. I truly believe that they have accidentally concocted some sort of like key, some sort of trigger switch that has put into motion. the end times and we're here thanks to the fucking creative team at new mutants so thanks for that josh boone
0: thank you josh boone uh yeah this doesn't make any sense put it on the platform just if you want it to be released especially in a with mart with all the 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 delays the production turmoil you know actors pretty much just saying we don't fucking know like why would you attempt to put it out before there's a vaccine for this fucking pandemic i just fucking put it put it on the Disney Sorry. Plus app like Artemis Fowl. If Artemis foul can be on this thing, New Mutants can be on this thing. Just bury it so we can be done because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tired of talking mm-hmm. about it. I honestly I think that it might be good. Like I do think that this film it, that has to be the reason. That has to be the reason, right? Unless they if they were if it were dog shit, I think they probably would have released it by now on Disney Plus. Right? I mean,
1: yeah, th- that's a good point. If it if it weren't super hot or they weren't confident in whatever story boone is trying to tell yeah they it would make sense to just sort of be like we can't even distribute this it doesn't economically make sense so yeah let's right. just put it up there with the likes of artemis fowl and lady in the tramp live action and get it over with but, but i i genuinely <sighs> yeah. think that this might be good but yeah i i am so boggled by the decisions surrounding this film it's and it's <laughs> and it's publicity and it's release it's just uh, insane this movie better
0: be fucking amazing that's the thing yeah <laughs> You have it better be fucking good man i it better be good okay because now you put a lot of pressure on yourselves and you're doing all these things you're bending over backwards knowing that the pandemic isn't going mm-hmm. anywhere actually that's starting that's closer to the beginning of fall when we're supposed to have a second wave even though we're not out of the first one yet stop it everyone if any studio execs listen to listening to this which they probably are not i am uh, a <laughs> 99.8% sure that no studio exec for any big movie uh, studio is listening to this. Hey, you but hear on that? the off Jerry, chance, they just- Jerry, Brookheimer, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta fucking log
1: off. You can't tune in, bud. I'm sorry. No, R- he you just said t- it. There's <laughs> no movie execs paying attention. I'm sorry. Hey, Jerry, R- <laughs> we'll, <laughs> Jer- Jerry, we'll call you, Okay. We'll call you, Bruckheimer. Good to see you. Right, we'll call,
0: yeah, we'll call you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no movie execs listen to this podcast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to work out unless you have a limited release in places that are doing well with the, with COVID. Uh, this is fucking stupid. I, I, I can't speak on this enough. I. Yep,
1: it's foolish and I'm willing to bet that uh, I'll be dead before I ever see it. So uh, did you know, Ben, that even James Cameron is in awe of how good Avatar 2 looks? This was reported by Daniel Gillespie at Screen Rant. Did you know that? Uh, great. No, I didn't know that. One would hope he would
0: <laughs> he, would be, he would be well
1: happy. fun fact that's mm-hmm. what's next up on our docket fam but yeah you you would uh-huh. think so right if you're directing the film i sure hope you like it otherwise why are you fucking doing it uh that being said and you have daniel, to sell it and you have you have to sell it but daniel gillespie says that uh he isn't patting himself on the back now daniel i think we may need to have a talk about what that exactly looks like it <laughs> sounds like he's patting himself on the back but uh, yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, it only took him, what, like, God, has it been, like, 11 years?
0: Yeah, dude, 11 years, way too long. 10 to 11 years this sequel has been in the fucking making, yeah. Uh, Way too long. Like, the allure of the CGI, which I've talked about, it's been on a stream theory. Love and special effects, bar none. But, like, everything looks like that now. So what are you going to do? At at this point, these motherfuckers better look clean. Better not be able to tell anything. No difference. Is it going to be virtual reality? Or he's like, hey we're handing these out uh upon you know entering the theater for the blue people sequel um i gotta say so i'm
1: looking at i'm looking at his quote right now and just because someone says they're not patting themselves on the back doesn't necessarily mean they're not patting them he says this
0: (laughs) yes yes go go ahead say it. i
1: deal with images in that world every single day and there are some days when i look at those images and say this is really amazing i'm not Mm. patting myself on the back with that comment and you know what as he goes on and continues i can see where he's coming from he he continues to say this is a distillation of some of the best designers in the world and a great cast if you've got the right script and the design right and you have a great cast then it's just an iterative process to get the whole thing shot and assembled so i gotta say james cameron not known not normally known for the humility but i do i do have to give people props for you know giving a shout out to those unsung heroes in design and production because holy fuck absolutely y'all absolutely. they make it I, all happen
0: not shit on them at all not just it's just the movie is taking so long um glad he his uh, designers have work and I'm sure it's going to look amazing but is it going to be cutting edge I could sit up here and it could blow me away and I'm like that's amazing um but are they gonna he
1: says he says that he says that this is the move you know he says uh, he believes reportedly that mm. uh they're using a bunch of new okay. underwater filming techniques which are not gone into detail here so I unfortunately can't expound upon what that means but he, he claims that these new underwater filming techniques, he believes, will push the medium forward in the mm. same way that Avatar did 11 years ago. I mean, I won't pretend that Avatar wasn't like a huge thing for special effects and rendering your actors in full CGI. And honestly, we probably wouldn't have Lady and the Tramp live action if it weren't for <laughs> Avatar 1. So I guess thanks <laughs> for that, James. Um, that being said, I do like underwater filming. I'm curious. I'm curious to yeah, see just how revolutionary to... that is, you know,
0: because Avatar, uh, yeah, Avatar 1. Yeah, Avatar one was 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 a pretty movie i i have gone to bat for it i just think That it's too long. I don't know how many people are out there being like, "Please, I can't wait for this Avatar sequel." Now they're probably talking about the Last Airbender and actually making that work. But as far as the Blue People movie, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's too late. And now here I am on this day recording. You, you you come back a couple of years from now when the movie is out and they made ten of them, and you're like, "Ben, (laughs) you're an idiot." (laughs) And I have to be like, "Yeah, fuck me for questioning James Cameron and his." His vision. Uh, so here we are. Our next topic. This is a good one. Dave Franco to rock the mic like a vandal. God they didn't. <laughs> in <laughs> vanilla you, ice. You took this headline I down, did. Ben. I did it. I, I, I did. I did it. Yeah, he's gonna rock the mic like a vandal in vanilla ice biopic to the extreme. That uh, thank you, Randall Coburn. Um, at A V Club. Fuck, dude. <laughs> hey. Does he have that much of a story, I guess? I'm sure there's plenty of books written about his life if he hasn't written one already. It's, in- it's interesting. I like Dave
1: Franco. Yeah, we were talking about mm-hmm. this a little bit earlier. I like I like Dave Franco too. I think that he's a, a really good guy with a lot of with a lot of talent that often gets overlooked because his brother made it onto the scene first. So this is I, this is the right blend of fucking weird, I think. You tell me that there's a vanilla ice biopic coming out, and I have <laughs> very little interest. But then you tell me that Dave Franco. Franco is playing him, and I'm kind of like, well, huh? You know. So that's the thing. Like yeah. the the likeness the likeness is there. I get I get why he was cast for the likeness. He he's got the charm, the personality. What what it's really going to come down to is what is this director trying to fucking say with this?
0: I know. Uh, what are we saying? Vanilla yeah.
1: Ice biopic. You know, that's like, it's like (laughs) fucking medicine-flavored pizza or something. Like, I didn't pizza. (laughs) Okay. Like, you know, it's just not... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like not the
0: first thing I think yes, when I'm
1: like you know who I want to learn yes, more about yes. this here friend
0: named Vanilla Ice uh, you know like, I I just you're I, I want to get to that point that you just stated about what is the, the director saying by making a Vanilla Ice bio right because Vanilla Ice let's just call it what it is is marred by um, appropriation mm-hmm. for black music and not having an appreciation for it um, just being used as a capitalist Tool to mm. drain um, money out of hip hop and and capitalizing on that. Um, he's a leech. I. I'm sorry. You know, and he's young and he probably just thought it was cool and was like, I'm making this money, blah, 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 blah. But when it comes to a whole culture's worth of music, diluting it and making it uh, palatable to white audiences, there comes a sense of responsibility with that. And now you have to, you know, you need to know what you're Mm -hmm. doing and why you're doing it and what you're saying um, and have a respect and an appreciation for that art form. So you're not, I say this all the time, so you're not appropriating, you're appreciating. And I, I wonder if that's where they're going to go with this because it's intriguing to me. That part of his life is intriguing. But did vanilla ice sign off on this? If that is the premise of it, would vanilla ice sign off on that? Does that seem palatable to palpable to him? Maybe he's had a very interesting life up until that point. Fucking who knows? I don't know. Yeah, you're right. And I don't know. I've, I did not. You know, when I heard this news, I'm like, what, what, why? Uh, <laughs> but it's a thing. And here we are with a vanilla ice biopic. It's being made. Uh, so
1: it's entering pre-production very yeah. soon yeah it was quietly announced recently it does seem like it's going to be played very very straight they've talked to a few people Franco included uh, they are spending time with Vanilla Ice whose name is Rob Van
0: Winkle stop
1: yeah that's his name like that's vil- Vanilla Ice's legal name I'm pretty sure is Rob Van Winkle that is so good I'm gonna call him that from now on Jesus RVW uh-huh. Uh Rob Van Winkle is Vanilla Ice and he has been talking with Rob Bob. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Van Winkle, uh, very, very uh, consistently, from what I understand, the article says that they have spent time together, that uh, Van Winkle has been trying to make sure that details of his story are correct and factual and accurate and uh, giving them like, you know, insider info that's not been made public before, blah, blah, blah. So it seems like from from what I can tell, they are going for that sort of candor and uh, grounded earnestness that they sort of approach the disaster artist with that's what they that's what they seem to be saying for all intents and purposes mm. which is a shame because i think you make an excellent point on this is exactly a, a, a prime time spot to unpack cultural appropriation and you know his his role in that and sure he may have made hip-hop palatable to a white audience but like what is that what does that mean about the culture that he's taking away from what does that say about mm, fucking white folk in general that it took a white person like you know th- as you said there's a whole lot that could could be unpacked here they do seem to be focusing pretty earnestly on his life and his experiences which is you know a a very a missed opportunity unfortunately a missed opportunity and i mean that is the tricky thing apparently this dude apparently robert matthew van winkle has had a very tumultuous life that i was not aware of you know he was a high school dropout he sold cars and drugs and eventually made himself into a musician so that's cool you know it's it is a self-made story Story, it's also it's another
0: way to appropriate. You it, raise an excellent point. You're going to focus on because then why not talk about like Run DMC? Why not have a biopic of that? So like, what about these other artists, the Sugar Hill Gang? Like the <laughs> it's just mm, it's why. What? I don't know. Or, uh, MC Hammer. MC Hammer is very close to the vanilla ice story in that it still was a very diluted, palatable, um, song that he was coming out with. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And like over the top in terms of like, uh, accessories and clothing and stuff. Yeah. You make an excellent point. Exactly. That's the story to tell. It's more interesting to me than a vanilla ice story. Fuck vanilla ice. Personally, a uh, Rob Van Winkle. <laughs> and I don't know. I haven't, I don't know his life that much. He could have gone in interviews and been like, yeah, I realized the impact that I've done. Um I realized that I was stealing this music, and it's not my mm. music to steal. Here, you know that there in the third, whatever, blah 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 blah. As far as I know, I don't, I don't care about this movie. But I like Dave Frank. If anything, would you say this, Ian? That's probably going to have really impactful performances.
1: I think that this is going to be a great way for Dave Franco mm-hmm. to sort of carve out his spot in earnest in for, for the silver screen. I feel like he's been doing a, a handful of TV and some smaller film appearances, but I think this is his opportunity. To really, sort of like yeah you know, There's this weird level of prestige that yes. is associated with biopics. I feel like uh, you know you have like Bohemian Rhapsody with remy Malek. You have, uh and this is all just recently. You have uh, Rocket Man with Taron Egerton. You've got uh you've got Chadwick Boseman and Get On Up playing James Brown. You, you there's there's always a lot of heightened talk about actors who are doing biopics. So I, I am excited for Dave Franco to have this opportunity um i hope that it skews more rocket man than bohemian rhapsody i think that's the best way that i can put it the kindest way i can put it (laughs) sounds good
0: all right well ian is there anything else here
1: uh i'm looking at the news docket news docket and the news docket is clear oh it looks like it looks like that might have been all of the news that we found we wanted to talk about dear listener did you find some news that we didn't touch on that maybe we should uh do you think that perhaps uh james cameron might be the greatest filmmaker of all time and maybe we're being a little hard on avatar that's okay we want to hear those thoughts those critiques those those affirmations whatever they may be so feel free to reach out on any social media platform that's twitter instagram facebook it's too many flicks the number two at the beginning and an x at the end bring it god damn
0: that's hot as hell
1: Well, you know what that there don't means now, don't you, don't <laughs> folks? It's time for another hot take. Ooh, hot. Oh, uh, it sure is hot.
0: It sure is hot.
1: <laughs> it's a uh, cooker out here. That's for darn sure. Uh, like a big old buttery bowl mm-hmm. of brown sugar grill. All right. Uh- um, <laughs> uh, n- n- now, partners, some of y'all might now don't be remembering that last time on Hot Takes we had an yep. unexpected guest. <laughs> you might say. <laughs> we are joined once again by our uh, <laughs> fine producer, Mr. Wait. Matthew <laughs> Feroz, uh, stuff. <laughs> Uh, go on and say hello to all the dare don't listeners down Matt, Matthew <laughs> Frost.
0: Before you say hello, Matt, uh, let's talk about this accent. You've got <laughs> really, really hick.
2: Yeah, you went you went from like <laughs> deep Appalachia to <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like Georgian Aristotle. <laughs> 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 you, went, you you went from like oh yeah you know you gotta get out of that swamp to like to like oh yeah the peach trees are fully in bloom aren't they? <laughs> Y'all, it's called
1: character growth. It's okay.
2: Called- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's how that works. That's how that works. As your character as your character grows, their accent changes. Their uh, got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. Oh man. Then they are
1: standard RPG rules. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man oh jesus christ <laughs> welcome back yeah, welcome. hey how's it <laughs> thunderdome <laughs> how's it going oh <laughs> how, how y'all doing today It's <laughs> great, She's great. <laughs> fucking oh. jesus all right all right so last time i busted in onto the set uh with my own hot take and my hot take is to remind the viewers mm-hmm. that stanley kubrick is overrated um ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. yeah. I I've, I've I've felt this way for a while. I'm happy to have a platform for this. <laughs> so, uh <laughs> let's fucking dive in, shall we?
0: All right, let's go. Let's hear it. All right.
2: Okay. So, I I'm not I'm not going to stand here and and say that Kubrick's work is not historically important to film or that his his visual stylings are not incredibly um iconic. They are. He was mm. he was a good filmmaker in the sense of like literally Working within the medium of film. However, as a writer, I feel like Kubrick really misses the mark most of the time. Ooh. And it comes down to three things. Mm. The first is pacing. His pacing fucking sucks. All of his movies are so damn slow. 2001 A Space Odyssey is like... It's so difficult not to like wind up on your phone or fidget or talk to someone during it because it is so terminally slow. And it's like, okay, I'm not one of those people, right? I'm not... You know, because whenever someone says like, oh, a movie's slow, there's kind of this sense where it's like, all ah, right, you've just got ADD or like you have the the, the mental and emotional capacity of like a two-year-old. <laughs> right. it's, I, mm. I like old, slow movies. One of I my can fav- attest to this. Yeah, you do right?
1: not mm-hmm. stop talking about Tarkovsky. I was
2: just going to bring up Tarkovsky. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, Andrei yeah. Tarkovsky is an incredibly, incredibly talented, was, he's been dead for a while, a very talented Russian filmmaker from roughly around the same time as... Uh, Kubrick it was like he was working mostly in the 60s and 70s mm. um, and his stuff is slow and actually is frequently compared to Kubrick's work especially his movie Solaris which most people know of even if they haven't seen it yeah that's um, one
1: that I definitely know just from osmosis of being a well, sci-fi nerd yeah
2: you know and George Clooney made a remake that missed the point of it and he's, <laughs> you know that that's neither here right. nor there so it's like his movies are slow frequently very very, very, very slow. However, um, there's a there's a sort of. Point to them. And Kubrick's movies, I frequently feel, are slow, not because Kubrick was leaving room for pathos or an ethos or some sort of um, delicate human experience, but rather because no one was really willing to like stand up to Stanley Kubrick and tell him no. Mm. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like his early stuff, I mean, one of his tightest movies, fun fact, did you know that Stanley Kubrick directed Spartacus oh no um, yeah no yeah he did he did he was like a Hollywood newbie at that mm. point so yeah so basically the director was fired 10 days into the shoot by Kirk Douglas and Stanley Kubrick came on now he was a newcomer he was a newbie he was fresh he directed maybe one or two movies at that point so he didn't have the clout that he had towards the the latter half of mm-hmm. his stuff um, and so it feels very much like any other it doesn't feel like mm. a Kubrick movie which is why so many people are surprised Surprised that he directed it in the first place, um, and then as he, it goes on, you know, and he directs movies like um, Doctor Strangelove, which is I, again Doctor Strangelove. I really is, like is, it's, I no, Doctor is a great but... movie. I mm-hmm. love Doctor Strangelove. It's a it's a great, very funny movie. Peter mm-hmm. Sellers is amazing. I love that movie. However, yeah. it is a slow movie, and his movies is. only <laughs> got did. slower. Two thousand one is. At, <laughs> agonizingly can, uh, fucking slow. It. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. And like, again, I like slow movies, and I still have a hard time with it. And it's not because, you know, in Tarkovsky's movies, uh, the the overall, the space that he leaves is for mm-hmm. a sort of meditation. You know, he has these moments, these shots where the camera lingers on pieces of art, or it stays with the character while they walk slowly, kind of lost in thought. And it's these moments that are actually deeply spiritual and kind of very human and emotional and Kubrick's movies don't really have that because Stanley Kubrick's movies save for like I would say maybe one of them do not have a humanist element Mm. at all all of of his movies Yeah, all of his movies are like beautiful set pieces where people move <laughs> around and say lines, right. but don't like, there's no, there's no heart. There's no, and he does not have empathy yes. for his characters. Or his
0: cast, to
1: be
2: honest. Um <laughs> That's, or, that's an or his cast.
1: That that's that's interesting uh that you do bring that up because a lot of people really love Kubrick, as you said, for his visual stylings, and that owes so much to him originally being just a photographer that uh-huh. got interested in film. So it's uh it's an interesting point that a lot of his films feel sort of cold and removed because as a photographer, mm-hmm. just approaching a story and storytelling from that angle, it, it is a little less of a humanist slant it's like okay i need these particular things to get the right frame and mm-hmm. the right picture it has mm-hmm. to be a, almost a, a precise yeah. machine a precise science and if i do the science correctly the product will like give me you know it's like right. doing chemistry mm-hmm. exactly almost at that point exactly, exactly. interesting point interesting. And, and
2: that is and that that is in all of his stuff save i think for one movie and that movie is barry oh, okay. Lyndon. <laughs> Uh, which is I, which which is a movie that I don't know if anyone has seen yet. Yeah. Yeah. I have tried. I I I uh, fucking love Barry Lyndon. I it is it is, <laughs> yeah, man. It's not. It's so do- it's so boring. It's his pacing, man. His pacing is fucking terrible. His shots well, are beautiful. And I, I
1: I I should clarify and say that I tried at probably like the worst times you mm-hmm. could try to watch Barry Lyndon. Like I was definitely fucked up and like right. yeah, let's fucking oh, do it. Let's no, watch no, no, this no, no, Kubrick no, no. period piece no, while I'm no, fucking no. litty off half a. A bottle oh, of Sailor God. Jerry. Let's I do know. it.
2: <laughs> so, the, geez. so the thing the thing is everyone loves Kubrick and whenever mm. someone talks about how they love Kubrick, that one of the things they talk about is his like his technical innovations and his his camera work. And the, they are correct. They are they're absolutely correct. I mean, the rotating set that he built Sick. for 2001 yeah. is dope, you know. And to the point where I was kind of weirded out when people were talking about how amazing Inception was right. because they built a rotating hallway. That's and I was that. like, Kubrick did that in the 60s and it looked like way more interesting. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that his overall, like, I don't know, he was a he was a technical genius and he was working toward he the things that he did were really about like he was in love with the medium of film. For Barry Linden, he took three 35 millimeter cameras that he personally owned and permanently modified them with mm. lenses that he got from NASA. NASA that were these super open aperture lenses because what he wanted to do was he wanted to film the dinner scenes by candlelight with no artificial light. Yeah. That's really cool. Does that it make for a movie that's fucking watchable? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And and so so his pacing is really off. And and this also kind of feeds into this other thing, which is that his writing mm. totally lacks subtlety. Stanley Kubrick's idea of subtlety is writing a theme mm. on a baseball bat and hitting you in the face with it. Like, you have a character who's supposed to go insane, all right? So you start Jack Nicholson at the beginning of the movie being, like, already kind of angry and, like, sharp and... twitchy, you know? Totally missing the fact that it's supposed to be a story about a person succumbing to something but right. trying. You never see Jack Torrance try to be good. You just see him like, be bad. Wait. And then be worse.
1: That's true. That's T- true.
2: 2001, <laughs> A Space Odyssey. Visually Stunning, striking. yeah. Not subtle. I would say maybe a little ambiguous. Not subtle. Definitely mm. not subtle. He He always just puts his information right out there. And this kind of goes back to the empathy because he's not interested mm. in human tales. He's not interested in his characters. He's interested in ideas that he wants mm. to make characters go through. Um, so that for me is, is, a I guess, my second bad point. The Shining, right, is a, and, and The Shining will actually be a perfect segue for my final point. The Shining is, A, a poor representation of the book. Stephen King hates the movie The Shining mm-hmm. uh, because it does a very poor job of representing the source material. But it also, I mean, a lot lot of people like to attribute these bigger mysteries right. to the shining you know they're like oh what does 237 mean oh right. the carpet mm. what does that design mean all of these images the weird fucking bear blowjob <laughs> scene which is actually from the book so you can't give that one to kubrick that's all <laughs> that's Stephen all king, king baby. baby yeah and all his weird uh, relationship with sex um man so but the thing is that kubrick went on record because people were like hey what does the shining mean and his his response was basically I don't know it's a spooky ghost story isn't it mm-hmm. like his fucking response to people being like what is the oh, deeper wow. meaning of this movie was like it's a horror movie there is none and that's then and it wasn't until after he died that the <laughs> all the kind of theories and things started to come to light um, now Kubrick was famous for never talking he didn't like to talk about his movies and that's kind of why people I think think that his stuff was mm-hmm. deeper than it is because he refused to talk about it. But yeah, I mean, if you look at The Shining, it's A, it's a poor representation of the source material, and we fucking lambast movies for their interpretation of source material. Mm -hmm. Like, we will crucify movies if we feel like they are not true to their source material. And yet, somehow, The Shining gets Mm -hmm. a pass. Yeah, Jack Nicholson does a good job at being scary. Sure. Yep, he does. He's a scary dude. Right. (laughs) Again, I have my own personal opinions on how I would have done the the overall character direction differently but there's a bigger problem with mm-hmm. all of Kubrick's work and it's a big one
1: all good things come in threes or in this case bad I guess what you got for me I know you got one more he
2: is without a doubt one of the most misogynistic filmmakers mm. like mm-hmm. his shit was so Ugh. bad to women yeah okay when I say a woman in a Stanley Kubrick film who's the first yeah. person that pops into your mind Shelley Duvall Shelley Duvall A. she had 40% of her lines yeah. cut mm-hmm. on set and spent most of the time screaming. Never mind the fact that Stanley Kubrick was a monster to her and yeah. like broke her spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Because Shelley Duvall was famous before mm-hmm. The Shining and then barely did anything after The Shining because of his treatment of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? She was losing her hair on set Ooh, from stress. Yeah thats unfucking un-fucking-acceptable.
1: Jeez. Yeah, there's something really toxic going on there. If uh-huh, If yeah. that's yeah. the case.
2: Kubrick did not like women. He liked them in that creepy Tarantino sexy way, you know? Mm. But there's no female character in any of Kubrick's movies that has any amount of depth to them or overall... Humanity? Yeah. I mean, they're just... They're yeah. objects to be destroyed or lusted after. Right. So, yeah. I mean, he's... Super sexist, misogynistic, both on set and off. His stuff lacks any subtlety, and his pacing fucking blows. But his movies are so pretty.
1: <laughs> you well, know, Matt, geez, yeah. if you uh, ever come on to this show again with your extremely nuanced takes showing us up, <laughs> I, will, uh, I, 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 I won't do anything about it because I don't know how to produce a podcast.
2: But... <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: God damn it. Oh, it would have been interesting to see him uh, finish out AI, you know, before. Uh, I know.
2: It would have been a, a much different. I mean, okay, look, AI is depressing as shit. It is. Um, my, my fiance and I were talking about it recently and kind of going through the plot of it. It's so depressing. It is. And in Kubrick's hands, it would have been even more bleak yeah. because... Spielberg approached it with this kind of pathos so talking about the marginalization of an entire group of peoples is like mm-hmm. in his wheelhouse I feel right. like Kubrick would have handled it it would have been visually stunning mm-hmm. and it would have been cold and calculated mm. and and yeah. kind of cruel in a way all of his movies are a little bit cruel
1: yeah. um, so have either of you seen AI I have I, I love okay. it. okay is it super fucking horny horny is it super fucking horny because I'm looking at some of the the concept art
2: <laughs> i mean just because jude law plays a sex robot yeah I
1: mean, wha- it's yeah, not even does. that like the concept art for ai if you look it up is fucking wild let's take a look
2: oh wow <laughs> oh wow
1: yeah like the buildings are all shaped very sensuously like very sensuously oh wow holy shit all right,
2: there's literally one i'm looking at that says ai the toll gate here i've turned the toll booths into a series of suspension bridges that emphasize the their sexual nature. (laughs) Don't y'all feel that way, everybody, when you go up to a toll booth? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and then the toll
1: booths themselves are giant femme-presenting heads where the roads go straight through their their mouths. mouths Yeah,
2: I know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like, why would you need to emphasize the sexual nature of a toll booth? Uh, I (laughs) know.
1: Boy, nothing gets me so hot and bothered as when I'm fucking digging into my fucking side console for those extra few quarters, I gotta get through this fucking... I got to get through this booth, man, this fucking hot, sweaty, tight little booth <laughs> that I can't fucking get past. I got to get my fucking quarters up. Get these fucking quarters. God damn it. I always sleep. Jesus, there's always one that slips out. I got it. There we go. $1.50. Oh, uh, I made it through the booth. Fuck. I, <laughs> I
2: just, <laughs> this podcast is NSFW. We do mark
1: ourselves as explicit on Apple Podcasts. I mean, that's quite explicit. For this reason. <laughs>
2: Anyway, um, and that's why I think Kubrick's overrated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, fam. That's, uh, that's a hot take. That's a spicy, spicy simmer. At me. Take. At me. There you go. Well, <laughs> uh, with that, we're going to move on. But next week, tune in when I give my hot take on the Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan uh, Karate Kid is better than the original. Oh. How about that, <laughs> How about that hot take? Yes, sir. Oh, right. Right. Nice. I do but like this. Yes. Right. <laughs> All right, you guys know what that sound oh, means. Shit, oh, uh, yeah, time to uh, do some trivia. Matt,
1: why don't you leave silently? Cause you're definitely still here. Bye, Matt. Love you, Matt. Bye. Oh my God. Bye.
0: Bye, Matt. All right. Matt's Peace. gone. That All means right, it's man. time for us right, to cool.
1: learn something, folks. To ben, learn. what are we
0: learning about today? What are we? What are to we gonna learn. quiz each other on? Oh, uh, well, we're doing biopics. Mm. That's right. The uh, real life stories with real life people. Fascinating. All right. Uh, I'll go first. Go for this it. Time. Yeah, yeah. Hit me wanna, with it. Wanna what you got for me, Ben? Okay. What is the name of James Baldwin's problem novel that Capote? problems in quotation that capote mentions in the opening party gotcha
1: scene. opening party scene of capote okay um of capote my guess would be it's it's the it's oh it's a novel, though, right? Correct. Fuck. Oh, I'm going to kick myself so hard. I'm going with A.
0: Giovanni's Room? Mm-hmm. Yes. It was Another Country. That's a tough one. Fuck. It, yeah. It's a very I, tough one. I Am Not Your Negro is a movie, right? It was based off of a book. It was based off of a book. Because yes. I almost
1: went with that one, but I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's. Yeah. Okay. Well, damn, that's a good one. Thank yeah, you. It's okay. Yeah, you're
0: good. Now
1: right. I got to go find another country. Okay. Yeah. Ben, are you ready for your first question? Yeah, go ahead. You, re- you ready for this? Badon. I'm ready. Okay. Don't want to get us sued. Ben, this film (laughs) is credited or often cited as being the first ever biopic. Now, there was some contention. There were two titles I found. I will accept either of them. Um, Okay. There is The Story of the Kelly Gang. There is The Fall of the Romanovs. There is Joan of Arc, the original French version. Or there is Custer's Last Fight. Joan of Arc? It was Joan of Arc. It was either Joan of Arc or the story of the Kelly Gang. They are both uh, the first Joan of Arc called, uh, and I will butcher this pronunciation, but I don't think we have any listeners in France yet, uh, Jean uh, uh, D'Arc, made in the 1900s, was about, you guessed it, Joan of Arc and her time in the war and then her subsequent uh, sad execution. Uh, And then the Mm. story of the Kelly Gang was actually about, uh, it was credited as one of the first ever feature length films and tells the story of the infamous Kelly Gang that was at large in Australia, either just a little
0: bit prior or at the time. Nice. Okay, there you go. Interesting. Interesting stuff. All right, here's your second one. What was one of the ways Forrest Whitaker prepped? for the role of mm. in the last king of Scotland. Oh boy. He lived in Uganda for 8 months. He wore his costume for weeks on end without taking it off. Or he stayed in character as Idi Amin even when he was not on set. Mm. Little curveball for me there. Huh, a little trick answer.
1: Okay. Mhm. Ooh, that's a tough one. So all right, the one the one with his uniform or costume or whatever. He like the 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 answer is uh supposing that he
0: never took it off like he wore it continuously. He he wore it for like a couple of weeks or like a week. And then he would obviously change and then he will wear it again another week. So it was like off and on. Gotcha.
1: I'm actually, go- I'm going with that one because there's a lot to be said about walking in the clothes of a person mm-hmm. and specifically with his, uh, with the person he was portraying there. I can't remember the,
0: the yeah, man's I mean, name at the
1: moment, but he had like all of his mm-hmm. medals. Thank you, yes. Uh, so I'm going with that one. I think that he, wo- he wore the outfit, wanted to get into the shoes.
0: Uh, that's a curveball. That one's very similar, but it is not. It is, he stayed in character. As Iria, I mean, even when he was not on the set. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I was kind of hoping it wasn't that
1: one because why would you want to live in that headspace <laughs> for so long? I know. That's what it's scary. But like, I get it. it scary. But like, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have dinner right. with I, you, I'm dog. I'm not going like, to go home <laughs> to my family <laughs> and
0: be. Uh, that's that's outrageous. Like, I, I imagine he just didn't go home to. That's fine. Maybe he was single at the time, too. He was probably. I, I, I'm willing to bet that
1: wherever it was, it was while they were shooting. So he was probably out. Of the country yeah. while shooting
0: and was at the hotel a lot, but
1: that means that he's terrorizing these right, poor yeah. hotel folks that are just trying that to give him his not room cool to service. Me. It's just not
0: cool to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> he gave a great performance, but like I think you can give those performances. I would love to see like a study of this and just like a side by side comparison of people who don't do method and people who do do method. Um, because I could I feel like you can still give great performances without going that far. But that's just me. I I I mm-hmm.
1: agree up to like 95 percent. It's the that there is that whole thing about acting, like everything's going to work a little bit different for everybody else. So while I think that method is grounded Mm -hmm. in a lot of toxic presumptions about the craft of acting, I think that method is...
0: You can do...
1: Yeah. mm -hmm. Almost i'm gonna say usually i was gonna say almost always usually irresponsible yes. or used irresponsibly uh yeah, mm-hmm. like i do but i also appreciate that everything works different for everybody else yeah, bits
0: and pieces of it i think you can incorporate to your style but yeah you're right it's everything works differently for everybody else all right ian what's my next one all right ben i got a fun one for mm-hmm. you here what was the secret ingredient that the i tanya
1: makeup department used to give margot robbie's harding wig the desired crunchy perm look they wanted was this secret Secret ingredient mm. glue was the secret ingredient beer. Was the secret ingredient candle wax or was it salt water? They used this specific secret ingredient to give Margot Robbie's Tanya Harding wig the crunchy perm look they wanted. Glue, beer, candle wax, or salt water. Beer. It was beer. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, they like had tried using products and it wasn't working. Margot Robbie actually wore a wig every time as Tanya Harding to protect her own hair and they couldn't get the look that they wanted, so they were just, like, soaking it in beer, and it was working, I guess. Oh, wow. Which begs the question, putrid. though, how did that
0: smell when she was, like, Ugh. filming eight hours gross. a day, you know? Gross. I'm sure they
1: did something with it, but still, like, and it's a
0: little wild. Fruit flies flying around in your head and shit. Like, <laughs> oh, God, that's gross. All right, uh, you ready for your third and final? I am. Hell yeah, give it to me. Spike Lee's Malcolm X biopic had budgetary issues. What was one of the ways the movie was? was funded. Was it Denzel Washington put up his salary to get this film made? Was it Louis Farrakhan helped raise funds with his church? Or was it the studio gave him more money but cut three big named actors from the film? Mm.
1: I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Farrakhan raising raising money at the church. I feel like they probably were like this is an important story. I my, my instinct, I'm not gonna lie, when you were first reading off the answers was like Denzel gave up his mm. fucking paycheck. No question. This man is a man of principles. He's fucking awesome like that. But then like a chance for community, I really need it to be this one. I need it to be this one because I want to think that Denzel didn't have to give up his money, because I know that he would.
0: You are wrong. Your instinct instincts were right. Denzel did give up his salary. As a matter of fact, this is a good bit of trivia, but I couldn't find a way to work it in there. Director Spike Lee Mm -hmm. removed all mention of Louis Farrakhan from the film after receiving specific and direct threats from him.
1: Wow. It, little known okay. fact,
0: a lot of people speculate that Flewis Farrakhan may have had something to do with Malcolm X's death. Um, so he didn't want his interesting. name this much. It's I did not a lot. Dude, all. it's one of the most interesting stories um, in American history. Um, how the FBI could have possibly had something to do with his death as well. I've heard about um, that, yeah. How his, I know that his death is very suspect. The Nation of Islam were, were perhaps working in accordance with the FBI to kill because he was killed by the Nation of Islam. Uh, so, yeah, it's. Fascinating. It's a really interesting uh, bit of history. Um, but yeah, that that was one of the things. Louis Farrakhan is a piece of shit. He has so many good ideas when it comes to just like art thoughts. Let's say not good ideas, but thoughts when it comes to black people and how white people interact with black folks. But other than that, he's not a good dude uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for thank you for that yeah. for that lesson. No, no, I will no. yeah absolutely.
1: take that to heart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all oh. good. It's all good. God damn it! Someone pay Denzel in retrospect. Right. <laughs> yeah right okay Whew. i'm cool i'm calm i'm collected right ben are you ready for number three go ahead what two things did robert downey jr hire a coach to help him learn to do left-handed as he prepared for his performance as charlie chaplin so he hired someone to help him learn to do these two things left-handed so he could in his mind play charlie chaplin as accurately as possible did he learn to shoot a gun and fly a plane did he learn to paint and use a knife left-handed did he learn to sword fight and so? Left handed, or did he learn to play violin and tennis left handed? Violin and tennis left handed? It was violin and tennis. Oh, wow. Exceptional job, my friend. You are
0: crushing yeah, it. Jeez, I don't know why. Three I, for three. Oof, yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've got three for three. <laughs> I mean,
1: fuck, we have our streaks. We know how this goes. Yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was just insanely committed to playing the role. In fact, when uh Charlie Chaplin's, I want to say his daughter, not his granddaughter, I think it was his daughter, when his daughter first saw Robert Downey Jr. in his full Charlie Chaplin getup uh, at a screening, she actually mm. needed to take a moment because it was so jarring for her. He did look so much like Chaplin. so mm, yeah, It's a really great film. If you, if folks haven't had a chance to check out Chaplin, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it is not a happy film. No, it is not. But it is a good film. So just go into it with that warning. All right.
0: There you go. Whew, we, get, we did a learn.
1: Wow!
0: Oof! Wow! Wow! Whoa! Ah. Yeah. There it is. Did it. Seventy. What a
1: wild ride. We're seventy, 70. years old.
0: Oh. 70 years old. Oh my God! I Not feel really. It in my bones. Not really. But we're seventy episodes my... long. <laughs> That's right.
1: And you know what? That's just as good as a year. Because I'll yeah. tell you what. Yeah. Every episode takes a year off my. I'm kidding. No. What? I have Jesus! A great time, so <laughs> like no one's forcing you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time yeah. we have to sit down right uh do this podcast it's a lot
0: it's expensive uh, for eight people to listen consistently <laughs> <task>. <laughs> all right ian why don't you tell the folks who you are uh, how to get in contact with you and i don't know when's for the weekend i don't i don't know Friends, my name is Ian. You can find me on
1: Twitter as SirYikesALot at BabyGotKnack. You can find me on Facebook as Ian IanMuentiner if you care to try to guess how to spell that. Or you can find me on Instagram as SockNinja888. I am posting photos of my cat. Uh, what I'm having for uh, plans this weekend? What I'm having for plans this weekend. English is my first <laughs> language. Um, I am having plans to honestly play video games maybe edit some video and mm. just generally not try try not to fucking die um yes ben, who are you where can people find you on the social needs and you know um if you had to do one sport in the olympics what would it be
0: Alright, I am Benjamin Jenkins, you just call me Ben, Uh, you can find me on Twitter at btjenkins91, you can find me on Instagram at benvolio91, you can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. Uh, If I could do an Olympic sport, it would be curling, because that shit looks like, I'm sure it's difficult, but it looks like the learning curve is not as great as the rest of them are uh <laughs> sure so i feel like i could throw heavy did. thing that yeah, way mm-hmm. i could probably possibly do. we're gonna have some curler come into our mentions like you you have fucking no dick. idea not to be a little curling i just saying if there was a feasible thing that i could do <laughs> it would probably right. be curling but i'm sure it's a long way away from my abilities now <laughs> Well, that about wraps it up. W-R-A-P, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. We know, we know, we know that it's crazy as fuck outside. We know it's real. And to bring it down to serious, to a serious moment, like Trump is sending out secret police to fucking different cities. Maybe Chicago. Fuck, I don't know. We really hate that fucking guy. And it's unconstitutional. And it's fucked up. We know things are scary right now. We know... 2020 has not been kind to everyone, but we hope that this is at least an hour just, you know, entertainment, also some realness cuz you know, we don't live in a bubble. But at the same time, we we know. We know there's so much going on. We know people's blood pressures are high. We know people are, uh, you know, are stressing out for very good causes. But you know what? You know what? You know what, dear listener? We got you. Because we are too many flicks hmm. and we watch all of the flicks. so that you don't have to. Hey y'all, thank you so much for listening. You made it to the end of the episode, but before you go, i got a few things that I would like to relay to you dear listener. First of all, thank you so much we have been on this journey for so long and we could not do it without you so if you want to get in contact with us so we can have a further discussion about any of the topics that we mentioned or if you just want to be friends we're cool with that just add us at at too many flicks that's the number two and an x at the end that's at too many flicks the number two with an x at the end any social media platforms we will respond with the quickness also if you want to email us Email us at twomanyflicks.chicago at gmail.com. That's too twomanyflicks.chicago at gmail.com. Again, that's number two and an X at the end. We also, guys, have a Patreon page. That's right, we have a Patreon page. You can be a Patreon for as little as a dollar. A patron for as little as a dollar? That's crazy, Ben. I know it's crazy. We'll take anything that we can get. We just want you guys to be engaged so we can do more stuff and have more fun. We just want to have fun with y'all, really. This is not just our podcast, it's your podcast. You, listener, are a producer on this show, and we cannot do it without you. Also, please like and subscribe on any of these podcasting platforms or even our YouTube page, which we have. It's too many flicks. It's easy. Again, I said any social media platform, practically. Uh, Yeah, please rate it. Two, rate the show. What do you think? Three, two, one, I don't know, five, hopefully. We want to trick that algorithm into thinking that we have legions of listeners and fans, like the Joe Rogan Experience that fucking guy is a trip i don't know what i'm gonna do with who i fucking fuck that guy anyway guys please 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 we have so many things on the horizon we just can't wait to share them with you we're bursting out of the scenes with excitement and we love you please come back next week and tell a friend